Patrick Wax Picks, the show where we analyze every game from every conference so you can make the best picks. As always, we're your hosts, the three Garretts, and it is time for teams to punch their ticket into the national championship. Conference tournament weekends, culmination of a year. Most team seasons are endings are ending seniors. Most of them collegiate careers are on the line this year. It, great weekend of lacrosse all the time. It is the best week of the year. Uh, I think there are weeks throughout the athletic year, Masters week, wildcard weekend in the NFL. There are just certain weekends that hype you up. The first week of March Madness. This, for us lacrosse fans, this is it. Yeah, the first day of the national tournament is exciting. But this Thursday and this Friday and this weekend to have this many important conference games and championships on the line is huge. Uh, I want to credit uh, Quint Kesnick over the weekend who said this year is probably one of the most least interesting years in terms of who's getting in and out on the bubble. It's not as interesting as last year. But for that reason, it makes these conference tournaments all that more compelling because you look at a conference like the Patriot. There's only one team getting in. It's the champion. So whether that's Army, whether that's BU or someone else, one of these teams has to, has to get it, right? They have to. Uh, look at the CAA. Like, if Delaware doesn't win, they're not getting in. So even teams that are favorites, their lives are on the line here, and it makes for some really compelling television this week. Absolutely. And we're in store for some great games as well. Um, I mean, we were talking about it before. Uh, we started recording, but that Marist Quinnipiac game just unreal. I don't. I personally don't know what's going to happen in this Mount game, but I'm going to try and do the best I can with, you know, what we got. Um, also, just want to highlight a couple of teams. You know, not in the conference tournament, but certainly had great seasons this year. Uh, we got to point out Dartmouth, Big Green, going six and six. Uh, obviously, didn't have the Ivy League. Uh, record that they were hoping for, but still a very successful season. They're 500. Um, I honestly can't remember the last time they were this good in a while. Um, Cleveland State, you know, they needed a lot to happen. We were rooting for it on Saturday. Uh, I was texting you guys like, I really, I want Cleveland State in this ace on tournament. Um, but unfortunately, Robert Morris just couldn't get it done. Um, there was also one more team I wanted to highlight, UMBC. Um, you know, they looked really good at the beginning of the year, um, starting out 4-0, losing to Delaware, beating Mercer, beating Merrimack. We thought they were a pretty good American East team. They were going to make the tournament and make some noise. Um, unfortunately, they were on the bad, bad side of that, on the outside, looking in um, after their loss to Vermont. So very unfortunate for them. But we're certainly in store for some great, great conference games. Just wanted to highlight those teams because I, I thought they uh, had some great seasons, but just uh, things just didn't go their way. With that being said, we'll just uh, dive right on in. Uh, as far as receiving votes go, we had three teams this week: uh, Vermont, Bryant, and UNC. Uh, you know, some teams who have been playing very tough. Obviously, Vermont in the top seed of the American East. Bryant uh, has the uh, has that second seed, so. Definitely some teams who are deserving of that honor. UNC falling out because, you know, of recent struggles, though. 
Uh, in the top 20, we have St. Joe's, the number one seed in the A-10, followed by Rutgers, who is really holding on in the top 20 despite their uh, recent losses, the no chance of the tournament, followed by Syracuse, Utah at 17, and Penn at 16. 15 through 11 is Yale at 15, Boston at 14, Princeton at 13, Villanova at 12, and Army is at number 11. After their quarterfinal win against Ohio State, Michigan cracks the top 10. We are very high on the Wolverines this year. Denver is at 9. Georgetown is at 8. Maryland is at 7. And Cornell, after their overtime win against Princeton, is at 6. Top 5 is the exact same 5 teams as it's been the last couple of weeks. Just a shuffling of the 3 ACC at the top, which seems like it's happened again for as many weeks as it's been this season. Hopkins is number five, Penn State number four, UVA number three, Notre Dame number two, and our new number one going into conference tournament weekend is Duke. Certainly, you know, that top five, it's just, it. there is no right or wrong answer, I don't think, because um, Notre Dame, you know, their two losses are to just UVA. Duke, they lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Jacksonville. Who did? I don't even know who UVA lost to. I know they lost to Maryland. Lost to Duke um, twice. Lost to Duke yeah. twice. So And Notre Dame once. Right? No, they didn't. Oh, they lost. They beat, no, no, they beat Notre Dame twice. Never mind. Yeah. Beat Notre Dame twice. Duke, Maryland, and Duke Maryland twice. Yeah. 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 So, honestly, you know, to each their own with that top three, you know, good luck trying to analyze that. I'm but alrighty, uh, let's just move right on, right on along then. Uh, dog of the week, I went with this. I went with the U, the Albany LSM slash defenseman Jake Pisano, number eighty-eight for the Great Danes. Uh, I was honestly a little like confused as to you know who I should put at this spot this week, um, but I saw that Lacrosse Network made a post about this kid. Um, so his last seven days, I'll just break it down game by game right now. Uh, in their game against Binghamton, he had eight ground balls and two cost turnovers. Against Penn, he had eight ground balls and four cost turnovers. And in the Merrimack game last Sunday, um, if we can think all the way back then, he had seven ground balls and a cost turnover. In total, he had 23 ground balls, seven cost turnovers, and he even uh, knocked on four assists. So the dude is an absolute vacuum. Um, He's been a great LSM and defenseman this last year. I don't know if I've had if I have highlighted him in this uh, segment before, but I may have. I may have not. But either way, he's a stud. He's the saving grace of this great Danes team. Um, the PLO draft is next week. Whoever drafts him, they're getting a stud. He's going to be great at the pro level. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was one of the guys. Clark just did like a deep dive. Mm-hmm. Watch out for like the dark horse people in the draft. Um, yeah, that's a impressive stat line to say the least. That's for sure. This past weekend we had 35 games and we all did pretty well. Again, uh, Voigt went 27 and eight, and that brings his overall record to 368 and 142. Glazer and I both went 30 and five this past weekend which brings Glazer's overall record to 384 and 126 and my overall record to 388 and 122. 
And after that, we can go right into the first quarterfinal game for ASUN, which I think, Voigt, you want to spearhead that one? Hey, everyone. Garrett Voigt here. Uh, just wanted to say real quick before we get into our picks, we did cover the Patriot League and ASUN quarterfinals in this episode. And with this being released on Wednesday, those games would already have their results. So you'll hear our picks for those games and our reactions to those games. And you'll also get to listen to Glazer take a victory lap around myself and Dryband, so that should be fun. Uh, we also had some audio issues, unfortunately, so some things didn't make it into the episode. But we hope you all enjoy and enjoy the conference tournaments this week. First up, we have... The number four seed, Mercer Bears, taking on the number five seed, Bellarmine Knights. Uh, despite the seeding, I still think it's a no-brainer here. I really like Bellarmine. They've been playing very well the last few weeks. Despite that loss against Jacksonville, I think they looked pretty good. Um, you know, this is also a big revenge game for them. They lost to Mercer earlier this year, 15-12. to 12. Um, I think... I also think that there is a good possibility if Bellarmine beats Mercer and they get a favorable matchup in the semifinal, they can make their way to the ASUN championship. Uh, so watch out for the Knights. Big time dark horse in uh, this ASUN tournament. Uh, total, at least I believe so. Total, total, total agreement here, Boyd. I am probably probably the most confident about this Bellarmine team of all the games we're going to cover to beat Mercer. I know it is on the road. Um, but Bellarmine has got to be licking their chops to get another chance to beat this Bears team um, who kept them out of the top four. And absolute agreement as well. If Assuming Bellarmine takes care of business here, watch out for the Knights in the semifinals to make that push for the championship. Uh, you know, Utah, Jacksonville, Air Force are top seeds here, but Bellarmine can sniff that, uh, that AQ. They're not that far off. So um, I think they take care of business here. I agree. Not much to add. Uh, I'm taking Bellarmine also. Really impressive. One thing to say against Jacksonville, they did lose by one goal, 13-12. But what gives me a lot of confidence is that Kyle Playstead only had one point that game. So they're getting production from their other offensive players. This Bellarmine team can be sky's the limit in the A-Sun, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, so we're all on the same page there. Um and I think we're all on the same page about this next game, too. Uh, number three seed, Jacksonville, taking on the bottom seed in this ASUN tournament at number six, Robert Morris. Uh, I'm going to take Jacksonville. Uh, they did escape a tough back-and-forth game with Bellarmine this past weekend. Uh, but it does feel slightly closer because of the Dolphins' recent struggles but I still think they just take care of business and move on. Robert Morris doesn't have a great record against the top four ASUN teams um, with their sole win against Bellarmine. Um, I don't see them beating this Jacksonville team um, after, you know, the way they've played the last few weeks. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jacksonville's going to win. I And solely I think that because that locker room has to understand that if they go out this game, this is the biggest disappointment of a season like arguably ever for a D1 lacrosse team with how high their expectations were. So they have to make it to the semifinal round, at least in the conference tournament. Yeah, nothing more to add here. Uh, taking the Dolphins and uh, we will see them in the semis. I'm almost 100% confident in that. 
Alrighty, uh, so that does it for the ASUN quarters. We're going to be moving on now to the Patriot League quarterfinals. Um, first up, we have Navy taking on Loyola. This game will be hosted by Navy at the at the uh, in Annapolis. Uh, Navy is a four seed. Loyola is a five seed. And to be quite honest with you, gentlemen, I am dreading watching this game. I We'll just say I really like Navy here. They've got they got kicked to the bottom of the mountain in the first few weeks. We did it. Everybody else did it when they went three and three and lost three straight. But they battled back. They put some stuff together. And Loyola, I just have very little confidence in them. There's a possi- I think there's a possibility they win this game. But with our line being back for Navy. And just the way that they've been playing games the last few weeks, I think they find a way to squeak by the Greyhounds here. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do He's it. doing it. He's the doing old it. Glazer has returned. <laughs> He's on the Hounds bandwagon. That's right. I'm taking Loyola because I have no respect for Navy. I have respect for what they do for our country, but not for their lacrosse team this year. That's not to say I think Loyola is a lot better. I don't. I just think in this game, in this very specific instance, Loyola is just enough better to beat Navy. And quite honestly, here's what I'm going to say. And you're going to hear me say this throughout the entire episode today and throughout the entire week. Most of my picks this week are being fueled by the idea that it is so hard to beat the same team twice in one year. And so for that reason, I'm going to take Loyola. And more, even more specifically, I think the Loyola coaching staff is probably one of the best in the country. And I think having seen Navy on tape, having played them before, they have a game plan for this very, very, very flaky midshipman team. I think this is the only Patriot win Loyola gets. I think they lose whoever they play next. But I do think they make the upset here. And I think they take down the midshipmen. Call me reversing to my old ways, but I do truly like the Greyhounds here. I no, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. This is like they look so bad, and Loyola literally has no face-off like team. They just don't. They don't win face-offs. I think they're like. Their entire unit is like 33% on the year or something ridiculously low like that. I think Pacheco's 44%. And then their second string guys are like around 25, both of them. So like, bad. And I just, this entire team, I've said it so many times this year. I'm going to say it. This is Loyola's last game. I said it last week. Loyola's playing its second to last game against Lehigh. Guess what? Good job, Loyola. You get an effort ribbon for this year. You lost to Navy at home by one. Now you're going to go play Navy on the road after Navy's only loss in the last five games is to Army. And we all know that that game is just the Army-Navy game and anything can happen. And honestly, that probably fueled Navy even more to go out in this Patriot League just to try to get a rematch against Army again. I, I No, Loyola, you're going to lose. I'm sorry. There's no chance. They have no chance in this game. This is the parody, man. This is the parody. Um, all right, moving on. Next up, we have our surprise team, Lafayette, taking on the number three seed, Lehigh. 
Um, now, we made them their, our surprise team here because none of us had them in the Patriot League tournament at all at the beginning of the year. If you, if, we, if you go back and listen to our preseason episode where we ranked each team from each conference, neither, none of us had Lafayette in this position. So we're giving them their praise. They're our surprise team of the week here. Uh, but they have a tall task ahead of them. They're playing Lehigh. Lehigh's hot. They're, they've got to be PO'd after losing to uh, Boston a couple weeks ago. Um, Lehigh's just a better team here. They should win here, but I'm putting emphasis on the should because I think we're in store for some upsets this week. Um, Lafayette, they're not in this tournament by accident, but they also just haven't beaten anybody in um, anybody ranked ahead of them any of the teams that are ranked ahead of them, rather. So I'm a bit skeptical, but, you know, the, it's conference tournament play, tournament play. Anything can happen. But for now, i got to go safe here and take the Mountain Hawks. Yeah, Lafayette, I'm so proud of them for making this conference tournament. But in my mind, Lehigh is the only other team in the Patriot League that has a chance of getting this AQ besides Army and Boston. And even then, they still have an outside-looking-in chance, in my opinion. Lehigh's not going to lose this game to the Leopards. All credit to you, Lafayette. All credit to you. Um, Definitely, basically beating Bucknell secured them getting in, Uh, and that's a huge that's a huge step for that program. But I actually do like Lehigh to maybe win this Patriot outright. I think they get this one. I think they sneak in past Army and BU and and maybe get maybe get this one. So yeah, they're not going to drop this one. That does it for our Tuesday games. Now we're moving on to our Thursday semifinal games. First up, we have our America East teams. In the first matchup we're looking at, we've got number four seed Albany traveling. Well, the tournament is hosted at the number one seed that they're playing against, the Vermont Catamounts. Uh, Vermont's going to win. Uh, Albany did a great job sneaking into this tournament, beating UMBC this year. Um, but Albany has also just had a very down year by their, you know, recent standards. And uh, Vermont, like I've said, this is their conference. They're not losing at all unless it's in the championship. Go Catamounts. Yeah, I'm with you there. Vermont, only decision here. Um, they certainly had a rocky start. Um, but their seniors, Dave Klosterman and Brock Haley, they've been leading the Cats do an unlikely winning streak, I think we all thought, but now looking back on it in hindsight, it's like, oh, wow, undefeated in the American East makes sense because of their results last year. They also have three freshmen, Tristan Whitaker, Carson Boyle, and Charles Huntley, who are great off-ball guys on the offensive side of the field, and they can take advantage of the attention that Klosterman and Haley attract. So I see a lot of that working with like ISOs and ISOs with Klosterman and Haley and just looking for those three freshmen backside um, certainly something they can take advantage of and certainly a way they can win this American East uh, tournament. Give me the catamounts in this one. Uh, Albany played a fantastic game against Binghamton. That was a really entertaining game to watch, uh, but they lost the America East sweepstakes. They had to play Vermont, and we all know Vermont does not lose the America East. So, yeah, I'm going to take the catamounts. All right, our second America East game is the number three Binghamton Bearcats playing against our number two America East team, Bryant Bulldogs. And I'm taking Bryant. I'm really high on this Bryant team. I 
I was sold on them, and then I kind of hit the brakes a little bit after their game against Vermont when Vermont halted their momentum. But I'm just resold on them again when they beat Brown. Like, I mean, honestly, Brett Bryan team really just went out, and I think it was that senior locker room that said, hey, guys, we have a chance to beat Brown and claim Providence, I mean, Rhode Island, as our state this year. And boy, oh, boy, did they do that. I mean, they dominated that Brown team, and that was a Brown team at full strength. Probably demoralized after getting knocked out of anything and everything for the rest of the year, but still, like, like you guys said, you guys picked Brown because you thought they would at least want to pr- play with some pride. And if they were, Bryant made it seem like they were playing with z- zilch, like none of it, because they dominated mm-hmm. every facet of that game. Um, Absolutely. I-, I love this Bryant offense. Like they jump out to really, really quick, hot leads and they score in bunches. And uh, this Binghamton team has done great this year. No doubt about it. Um, but I think it's going to be a repeat. And even though it's at a neutral site at Vermont this time, I I really like Bryant. Bryant handled Binghamton last time they played. I think they're going to handle him again and make it to the championship. Don't count Binghamton out here. I mean, they've had a really strong season. They've scored goals in bunches. Uh, but I'm going to agree with you, Dryband. I think we're all looking for this Bryant-Vermont rematch. We all want it. And I think it was nice and it was great that uh, Binghamton and Albany had a quasi kind of third and fourth place game last week. And ultimately, I don't think it matters. I think the top two seeds move along here. I think there is a very, very thick, bold line between the number one and the number two seed in the America East and everyone else. Um, I'm certainly sure this game is probably going to be closer. But um, I think, Voight, you were you were wise to recognize that Bryant was probably going to play that Merrimack game safe. And that Merrimack game loss means absolutely nothing. So I do like Brian here, and I am very excited for this America East Championship game. Well, certainly thank you for pointing that out because you are filling my ego all the way up, <laughs> and I appreciate that. Um, but yes, uh, to your point, Glazer, big props to Binghamton. They've had a great season. But when you look at this game, you, you just got to look at the last two games of the season against Brian and Albany. Uh, if you go to the play-by-play, Bryant was leading the Bearcats 12-4 to at one point and walked away with a 14-10 to win. Just let off the gas pedal a little bit. But then you look at Bryant, and a couple of days later, after that Saturday game, they go out on Tuesday and beat the crap out of Brown. Um, I, and then you, you, watch the, you watch Binghamton, and then they barely squeak by Albany. Granted, Albany was playing for basically just not to play Vermont. But still, like... Albany, they're not a great team. You should handle them a little bit better. Um, yeah, just to go off of what you guys said, more convinced with Brian here, not so much convinced with Binghamton, but certainly happy about the season that they have had. Cool. Moving on to a rematch from last week. We have our first A-10 semifinal. The four-seeded High Point Panthers are taking on number one seed for the A-10 championship and the host, St. Joseph's. I am... I. I am still big on Hog Hill. I love this team. And they're my favorite team in the A-10 besides Hobart. And since Hobart is not in this championship or this conference tournament, I am fully riding St. Joe's. And I think that they can get this AQ. I think they deserve this AQ. And honestly, it's, it's impressive what they've done 
in this conference and what Richmond has done too, with their only loss being against St. Joe's. Uh, this conference is a lot of very middle of the pack, but very solid teams that could upset anybody on any given weekend, which we saw UMass do against Army at the beginning of the year. Um, minus St. Bonaventure, of course. Sorry, Bonnies. Uh, <laughs> um, St. Joe's is great. I, I think they've kind of sorted out their one issue that I've had with them the entire year. And now that they're starting Shane Ryan in goal, he's brought some consistency. And now they're not flip-flopping between McMillan and Sealy every single game, multiple times sometimes. And I think that consistency means does a lot for their defense. Zach Cole, as always, is an animal at the X. And he just dominates this conference. He's not as great against equal talent, I would say. Um, or at least not this year as he has been in past, but, and their offense is just lighting up the board again. I mean, Levi Anderson's a great lefty, but he's not even the center point of their offense. Matt Bomer is just a great quarterback from X that directs everything and takes so much attention and high point has played great this year too. Uh, I don't want to put anything past them. Um, they were very close with St. Joe's until halftime. And then St. Joe's just kind of ran away with it in the second half. Um, so this could be a very interesting game. It's at St. Joe's this time, though, not at High Point. So St. Joe's even has a better advantage. Definitely going Hawk Hill all the way. They're going to the championship. Yeah, fully agree with you there. Um, you know, High Point, they're no scrubs. But for me in this game, it's an easy decision to take Hawk Hill. Um, I just don't think High Point can run with them. Um, I honestly wish I was as high on Hawk Hill as uh, you were dry, you are dry band because I just don't know. I get a bad vibe from them. I don't know if they're going to be like a big, like upset alert kind of team in the tournament. If they win this a 10 um, AQ, um, I feel like they kind of have the same problem, but I could be wrong here. I feel like they kind of have the same problem that we, you have pointed out about Brown, especially just, Shooting to like shoot, basically. I think spray and pray. Uh, you think yes, spray and pray. I like that. I love that. Yeah, and I think I pointed out a couple weeks ago. I sent a text in our group chat. I was just like, why is Carter Page touching even touching the ball? He's shot seven times. He's missed seven times. Why are we still getting the ball on his stick? Um, I don't know if they ended up win winning or losing that game, but it was a very good back and forth game against a top tier team. I forget who it was, but. Yeah, I think right for now, you look at the semifinal game, they take care of high point, get ready for the A-10 uh, championship. But I'm still skeptical. I just needed to point that out. I'll be brief. I'm taking St. Joe's here. I, I just think they're the better team. But I think St. Joe's has it a lot harder than we think because they have to play high point back-to-back -back weeks. And high point could surprise us all. And I think... It would be a surprise, but it wouldn't be an absolute shock if High Point wins this game. But I think it's wise and it's probably correct to think St. Joe's is going to advance here. Moving on to the next semifinal, the other A-10 semifinal. We have UMass, the number three seed, playing Richmond, the number two seed. This is going to be a really competitive game. The first uh, matchup of these two was very competitive. Um, Honestly, Richmond pulling off that win was they held off a UMass really, really 
uh, fervent comeback against them, to say the least. Uh, I remember watching that game because I picked UMass. And who, which one of you picked Richmond? I don't even remember. Was it both of you? I can't remember. I I picked Richmond in that game. Boy, I, I might I might have taken UMass. I I remember because it was the first time that UMass's offense looked like it was kind of clicking, but that was the one game that Note played just absolutely terrible. He had 35% that game. So if Richmond can shoot the same way that they did that game, it would be a lot different. But both goalies also had their career lows this season in that game. Well, sorry. Not Vig's career low. That was against Virginia where he just played terribly. But in A-10 matchups, both goalies played like outlier terribly that game. Um, so I, I'm hoping the defenses are shored up a little bit. I'm assuming this, this is a game of two teams that have very, very good defenses and mediocre at best offenses. Uh, it'll be very interesting. Dalton Young used to have a massive game like he did last time. He dropped seven points on the Minutemen when they played in their regular season matchup. Um, he's become a great quarterback for this Richmond offense. If that can happen, I think Richmond wins. I like Richmond in this game. Um, it honestly is a toss-up to me. UMass is a great team, and I picked them as a dark horse at the beginning of the year in this conference for a reason, because they're super solid, and I love them defensively with that close defensive unit and note in cage. It's going to be a, a grindstone of a game. But yeah, right now I'm going Richmond. I, I don't think my gut's going to change, but it might. But I don't think it will. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take the Spiders, and I'm going to take the Spiders because I feel like I have disrespected the Spiders all year and kind of forgotten about them. But this team is 9-4, and 4-1 four, four and one in conference, and they've taken care of things when they've had to. They've lost to Maryland, they've lost to Virginia, they've lost to Georgetown, and they've lost to St. Joe's. So really, by our rankings, they've lost to four top 20 teams, and they've beat everybody else. That's pretty good. I mean, that is a good season that I think a team and a program can be proud of. And after losing to St. Joe's, they have rolled through the A-10, increasing their margin of victory in each successive game. Uh, and I think they come into this game pretty confident. And I think, you know, if Richmond gets another shot at St. Joe's, I might consider the Spiders. So I do think uh, they absolutely have the way harder uh semifinal game because UMass is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Spiders as well. I think um, I think their offense probably is better enough than UMass's in this case, which is the story of UMass's season for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, at this point, I think Richmond has a, at Richmond's offense at least, has a slight edge over UMass's offense. But just like the first matchup, I will be taking the latter team that you, then you guys pick. So I will be taking UMass to win the revenge game, move on to the championship. Um, it, it certainly is a 50-50 game, but if you go back and look at the stats from the previous matchup, the big thing was just turnovers, 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 turnovers. If you go back to, if you look at any stats of any lacrosse game, you can always filter it back to turnovers. We committed too many turnovers. UMass committed 18, Richmond committed 12. Uh, you know, and that's and that's in a very close game. You know, 
one turnover doesn't go Richmond's way, UMass might have a tie going into overtime. They may even win by a little bit, but who knows? We won't. But I think UMass, you know, they dominate the faceoff. They control the pace of play. And I think they realize that on offense, they need to just control the pace and just clean up the turnovers. Um, they've certainly done that the last few weeks. They haven't committed like 15 or over um, in the last few games, uh, especially in that St. Joseph's game where they played St. Joe's really close. Um, Richmond has also kind of had like a softish last two games. You know, they they did be, they did put 20 up on Hobart, but Hobart also put 15 up on them. So they only won by five, but just no defense was being played in that game. And then, of course, you have St. Bonaventure, who they just blew out of the water. Um, so, you know, Richmond, you, you know, I don't think they're necessarily overlooking this game, but I think UMass just wants this game more. And they have made the adjustments um, in the last few weeks to to do so. So that's how I feel about the UMass in this game. Certainly 50-50, but I really like the Minutemen. I really like um, just like the vibe they have. And, you know, it's some, there's something just lurking in the water with the say 10 tournament. I feel like UMass is the team to do it. We move on to the Big East Conference next with four-seeded Providence going to the Swamp, D.C., to take on the number one Georgetown Hoyas. And Providence is only here because they eked out. I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. This tournament is at Marquette. Let me correct myself. This is at a predetermined neutral site. It's at Marquette. Um, but Providence is here because they eked out a win against St. John's in overtime. Marquette almost <laughs> beat Denver, uh, losing by one. So Marquette will have to watch their conference tournament on their home field and not be a part of it. That is incredibly tough, especially for the year they've had. And even tougher because they would have given Georgetown a much better game than Providence will. The Hoyas will undoubtedly win this one and look to win their third or fourth consecutive Big East championship. Yeah, Georgetown's going to win. I'm picking the Hoyas. Yeah, I'm taking Georgetown as well. Um, however, you know, I will say, you know, Villanova beats this game. I would feel more inclined to take Providence because I think, you know, Villanova is more of an upset alert type team in that situation. But Georgetown's hot. They look really good. Um, I think one, once they win this game, they'll solidify themselves as a lock at the at-large uh, pool. Um, but I th think they won't need to worry about that because they'll win this Big East tournament. In our other Big East matchup, we have three-seeded Villanova taking on two-seeded Denver. And Villanova is our panic team of the week. And let me contextualize why. And you can almost extend this to Denver. For me, and I think for the committee, this is an at-large play-in game. Meaning, I think whoever wins this semifinal game, whether they beat or lose George, or let's just say they lose to Georgetown. Whoever wins this game probably gets the last at-large. Um, Denver probably has the edge over Villanova right now, but if Villanova can uh, resurrect their regular season loss, even with a loss of Georgetown in the championship, I think the Wildcats get in. So in essence, this is a playoff game with more implications for the real playoffs than the actual conference. So I think in that sense, it's incredibly compelling. Uh, looking back to when these teams faced in the regular season, it was idiotic to take Villanova. And yes, I'm laughing at you, Dry Band, because that was Bill Tierney Day. Voight and I knew better. No way was right. Denver losing that game. But things are different now. 
it's been about a couple weeks since that game happened, and Bill Tenorini Day is way in the past. I'm going to take the Wildcats here. I think they get revenge on Denver at a neutral site, precisely because while they're a panic team, I think they are the better team, and the stats show it. They, I think, are better at face-offs. I think they're better at con- converting man-up opportunities. They have fewer turnovers. They have more ground balls. Like, just small, gritty plays that I think tells me that Villanova is just enough better than a Denver team that was taken to the wire by Marquette. Don't, don't get me wrong. Marquette also took Villanova to the wire. Uh, but I'm just more nervous about Denver coming off that St. John's game than I am, than I am in Villanova. So... With all that in mind, I'm going to take the Wildcats here. And I think, truthfully, Denver doesn't get in as a result of it. I think the Wildcats keep Bill Tierney out of his final tournament bid. That is all. In that Denver-Villanova game, that first one, built at the end of that game, Bill Tierney was just that, you sure about that meme, and was just talking to Dry Man the entire time. I, I realized I was wrong. I lived with mistakes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm in, I'm kind of in the same boat with Glazer here. Um, neither team has really convinced me that they are an at-large team, but this, this game certainly helps narrow it down. Um, and certainly when it comes to just picking this game, I think you just got to look at, you got to look back at Denver's game against St. John's, like, St. John's had no business leading that game up until the five minutes up until five minutes left in the game. You know, Denver, it's Bill Tierney's last year. You have this amazing, amazing roster. You you have some solid midfielders. You got a great defense. You got a great attack. Like, why is St. John's a winless team in the Big East staying with you? Villanova, at least, you know, they battled some teams, but they've come out on I come out on top of in, in those games like pretty handedly. And, you know, they just slightly convinced me more. Granted, Denver did come back and win that game. But for a minute there, I think we were all like, oh, my God, St. John's is going to get it done. Um, so, yeah, I I just I, I'm more confident in Villanova. Yes, they did lose to Georgetown. But this matchup, I just don't know if Denver, you know, has the guys. You also got to look at that Towson game, too. They were up like seven to one, eight to one at one point, I think. And they barely won 12 to 10. So, yeah, I'm going with the Wildcats for now. I don't like it, but honestly, whoever I picked in this game, I wouldn't be very, I wouldn't like it at all. So, yes. But yes, Dryband, go ahead. He is evilly, like, just rubbing his hands together like a James Bond villain. So He's not wronging Bill Tierney again. <laughs> oh, hell no, I am not. Uh, I'm about to drop some knowledge. Now, I'm going to hearken back to a very similar game, and actually, Voight, I <laughs> did the same thing because you said a very similar thing that what you just said about Villanova being in close games to the Boston-Lehigh matchup earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And my defense for Boston and why I picked them was because in all of their close games, they had eked out some wins against some better teams. Mm-hmm. Yep. In recency, Denver is six and one in their last seven their only loss coming at georgetown villanova in their last six games are three and three i do not trust this villanova team 
at all. <laughs> Full stop. Like I, I I loved them against Penn, but that Brown game, they just fell on their faces and they just stopped playing. They did not play in that first half. They tried to come back too little too late. And a Brown team that we all know now is incredibly subpar, incredibly subpar, handled this Villanova Wildcats team at home. This was at Nova Stadium too. So do I trust them against a Denver team that is really fueled up, wants to make this championship for Tierney? They also all know that this is Tierney's last shot to get a natty, another natty for Denver. Like that is still some type of motivation. And the fact that Nova's having to play two back-to-back weeks. And also like, I don't know if it matters that much, but Denver just played at Marquette. Like they literally were just there. They just saw the home field. They've seen all the practice facilities. They know where they're going to be for this entire tournament. They've got the lay of the land. Villanova has not been there this season at all. They played Marquette at home. And both of these teams just played Marquette and both of them went to overtime with them and both of them beat Marquette in overtime. I, I just, even though Denver has played close games, they have still won those games. And for me, it's all about the winning factor especially in situations like that when it's a long win streak and there's some good teams mixed in in that win streak. Uh, Like they did beat Villanova at home and I just, Marquette is a good team. I don't want to put anything past them. There was one Mm -hmm. goal game between Georgetown, Villanova and Denver. And two of those were overtime. And the fact that they lost all three is just heartbreaking for Marquette, but it's the way it goes. It's the way, you know, whatever the, old sayings are it just happens and this game i really think it's denver's time they're gonna take it they're gonna punch their ticket with two wins over a villanova team i i really like them in this game they look great like i said they are on winning ways right now they haven't lost since the beginning of april to georgetown so yeah i, I like the pioneers in this one bill tyranny's last ride baby I do not knock you one little bit. Honestly, looking at this game earlier today and just trying to come up with an analysis was just like pain in my heart. I'm just like, I, I don't know what to do with these teams. Um, but these are two teams I would, I know one of them is going to absolutely be in the NCAA tournament, This, but the four seed Michigan Wolverines are needing this Big Ten tournament to go their way in order to be a participant. I don't know if they have necessarily the at-large type of schedule to do so. Granted, a lot of things still need to happen in these conference tournament games, but so things could change, but certainly a lot would need to change. Um, we look at this first semifinal game that they have against Penn State. Um, you know, it's hard to pick because... Yes, I really want to see Michigan in the tournament so bad, but Penn State, they're just the love of America right now. They have turned their season around from their 2022 season. They're on a mission. It's certainly going to be an awesome game, but I think they have a very good defense. I think the attack is just an absolute unit. They play very well together. They move the ball around a lot and they just put goal, put balls in the back of the net. It's unbelievable. So I'm going to take uh, Penn State here. 
but you know, I necessarily wouldn't be upset if Michigan wins this game. I took Michigan to beat Penn State in the regular season in Ann Arbor, and I think they lost that game 12 to nine or something like that. But that was a game they gave away. Remember, that was a game they were leading, and I was really confident in that Wolverines team, and I thought they could uh, sneak one by the Nittany Lions. Um, I'm going to take Penn State here, but I'm going to agree with you, Boyd. I think Michigan plays a different brand of lacrosse here because Penn State knows they're in and Michigan knows that if they want to be in, they have to win two games. So if you're taking Michigan, you're by no means dumb. I think you might have your head might be in the right spot. But I think this Penn State team is just playing exceptional right now. I think they just have a different kind of energy. And I do not think Tambroni wants his boys to have a loss ahead of the national tournament. Even if Penn State doesn't win the Big Ten championship, I think they need this one to kind of get them going. And I do think they are, frankly, just better than Michigan. So I like him here. But remember, all these Big Ten games are at Homewood Field. So this is a neutral site game. Yeah, I... I'm also going to take Penn State in this one. Uh, Michigan, I mean, they did look great. I mean, well, no, they did look great against Ohio State. I, I've liked them a lot this year. I love the fact that they were able to beat Ohio State in a quarterfinal. I love the fact that even if they lose this game, they have a shot at an at-large bid because I honestly, I really think they deserve it. Um, their resume, they only really have one bad loss. I guess two. One being Marquette and the second being Rutgers. And even then, like, committee's eyes, yes, those are bad losses, but they're not terrible losses like some of these other teams have had. So They probably should have won that Rutgers game, in all fairness. Yes. You know, a, a trash goal that I ties agree. it in overtime, you know, that's the difference there, certainly. I, I honestly think that if Michigan had beaten Rutgers, they might be locks for an at-large bid, to be mm-hmm. quite honest with you both. Um, they quite possibly could, yes. They didn't. That's hypotheticals. This is real life, and they probably all really want to beat Penn State. And yes, Glazer, to your point, they were up 6-9 going into the fourth quarter against Penn State when they first played in the regular season. So they were in full control of that game, and then they went scoreless, and Penn State outscored them 5-0 in that last quarter and just dominated them. So they've got to figure out how to finish this game this time. I'm not sure if they do. I really like this Michigan team, but it's still too early, I think. I'm going to go Penn State. They just have all the momentum on their side. They look great, and they're just a fun team. So, yeah, I'm taking Penn State at home, too. The home field advantage is huge. It's neutral. Oh, neutral? Oh, yeah. Neutral, yes. Homewood. Yeah, just whatever. To, Same thing. Doesn't matter to me. It's certainly a tall task ahead, especially with these next two teams that we're about to talk about who have certainly, you know, have gone through highs and lows this season, but they have shown that they are top five, if not fringe top five teams. Maryland taking on Johns Hopkins rematch of the game a few weeks ago, uh, about a week ago. Um you know, Maryland's been dealing with a little bit of an injury bug. You know, Zapatello is out. Was He was at least out for the Rutgers game. Don't know if he'll be available for this game against Hopkins. So certainly a big loss for the Terps. But Will Schaller, LSM, freshman, who was uh, someone I pointed out way back in the preseason rankings when 
you know, the Terps were uh, recruiting and they got the number one freshman defenseman, uh, Will Schaller. He filled in that third close spot very well against Rutgers. He went two ground balls, two calls turnovers. So very serviceable guy. He can play hard. He plays fast. Um, so, you know, certainly the Zapatello injury hurts, but, you know, it's Maryland. They have the depth. They have the talent to fill spots when they need to. Um, just another next man up kind of mentality. Um, and Glazer, you said this earlier. Drybin, you might have said this earlier. And I thought it was a wonderful point because I didn't have these in my notes originally. But look at this game. It's very tough to beat the same team twice. Maryland, they lost at home to Hopkins. Certainly that's got to be a bad taste in their mouth. Absolutely. Especially with how they lost. Um, you know what? Just gonna pick. Mar- just gonna say I'm picking Maryland. I don't think I need any other explanation other than that. I think they take care of business. Business, take the revenge game, go to the Big Ten Championship. I respect it, Voight. I am going the other way. I am taking Hopkins once again. I. This game is gonna be. I mean, like, it's probably the one I'm looking forward to most out of all these semifinal matchups, just because it's the rivalry again. And, I mean, this Hopkins hasn't played a game since Maryland. And they've had two full weeks to prepare, to rest up, and they're playing the exact same team they just played again. I don't know how much more familiar you can get than that. Um, plus, now they have home field advantage at Homewood in a Big Ten conference championship, I I do not think... Homewood's not going to be rocking as hard as it is for this game as it has been in the last five years. Uh, There's no game that's been as big for the Blue Jays fans since this... I don't know, since... I'm not even sure. I can't remember. Since, like, 2018 or 19, I think. So, this game's huge. I I think they're feeling a Big Ten championship this year. this is, I mean, Maryland didn't even get a buy. They weren't one of the top two seeds, which is crazy in my mind to begin with, that they weren't one of the top two seeds in the regular season. So if there's any year that a team can win the championship besides Maryland, it's this one. And I think Hopkins feels it. I think they know that if they beat Maryland again, they have literally every ounce of momentum on their side, and that will juice them up to no end. I'm sure the first one against Maryland also juiced them up to no end. So... I have to stick with Hopkins in this one. Their offense is more productive than Maryland's is too. I trust it a little bit more. Hopkins defense can be a little wishy-washy sometimes, but they've definitely locked it down. And Mazone is just phenomenal for Hopkins. I mean, he's like an all-around close defenseman for them. I think he's he's probably like a second or third team All-American in my mind. Um, it'll be a great game, but yeah, I, I have to go with Hopkins again. I'm going to take Hopkins as well. And yeah, boy, you make a great point about, you know, beating the same team twice and how hard it is. And I'm very sympathetic to that. But to Dryband's point, what what a luck of the draw for Hopkins to not only play Maryland, but to get them at home and off a bye week. That is just too many things pointing in a right direction for the Blue Jays for me. Moreover, I just think Hopkins is better than Maryland right now, or at least playing better lacrosse. Uh, That doesn't mean I don't think Maryland can win this game based upon whatever. Uh, But 
I was not that impressed with Maryland's win over Rutgers, nor impressed with Maryland's performance over Hopkins the week before. Like, this team is just not themselves right now. And you can say, well, this game doesn't mean as much because both these teams are getting in. But, oh, my goodness gracious, you would be wrong. This game means everything yeah. to these teams. because To these players, to these coaches. Absolutely. Exactly. Right? You're not just fighting. You know you're in. But it means everything to get a seeded home field game in the national tournament. Uh, this this is for so much more than 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 just a semifinal. Uh, and I think Hopkins gets it done based upon all the factors that is just pushing luck their way. But uh, definitely the television marquee game of the weekend or the week, regular week, I should say, no doubt. Moving on to CAA semifinals now. We have our first matchup, another rematch from this past weekend. We have our dark horse team of the week, the Towson Tigers, number four seed, traveling to... Number one, Delaware Blue Hens. Towson upset Delaware last week, uh, which earned them this number four seed. Um, and I, if there is a four seed that could be a one seed this weekend, I think it's definitely this game. Um, I really... Well, actually, no. This one, and I can see our last 4v1 matchup happening pretty easily. Uh, Voight's been calling it all season. I'll let him mention it again when he comes up because I'm sure he'll say it. But Delaware, they, they needed a loss to just kick him in the ass. It seems like I I really don't see them losing this game though. Um, they know that they're out, like they're completely out if they don't win this game. Like there's no shot in the dark for Delaware. There's only one bid team from the CAA. Delaware knows it has to be them if they want to get in. That is the reason I'm picking the Blue Hens. This team has a lot of talent, and I think they'll get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, took the words right out of my mouth, my mouth there. Um, I'm, I would be very nervous if Delaware had beaten Towson um, this past weekend. But you know what? They got it out of their system. It's time to move on, take care of the CAA championship, and just win this game. I'm so mad at myself for not taking a chance because I said in our episode last week that Towson, I you thought, are, had a pretty did. decent, pretty, pretty decent chance of beating Delaware. And I just I couldn't convince myself to take that big of a risk. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's reasonable to take Towson again here just because of the rivalry and, and how many times the team play each other. But I didn't watch that Towson game as closely as I wanted. But if I were to guess, probably Delaware played that kind of like Bryant played Merrimack. They knew they were playing with house money. They didn't really need to win. They were already the one seed. Like, I'm sure Delaware didn't give up. But I'm also sure that Delaware didn't really care as much as Towson did to win that game. So for that reason, I think a different Delaware team shows up to play Towson this weekend, or I should say this week. Uh, and I do think that the number one seed uh, Blue Hens prove why they're the number one seed. I certainly think Towson gives them another great game, but home field conference tournament. Yeah, I got to take the Blue Hens here. And I feel a lot better about taking them this week than last week. Second CAA matchup. We've got Stony Brook versus Drexel. Drexel's the two seed. Stony Brook's the three seed. 
doesn't matter at this point. They're both on the road. This is a rematch of a really, really close game that was at Drexel for the regular season uh, bout, and that ended in a 13-12 Drexel victory, I believe. Was that the OT game? Was that an OT? 15, 15 to 14 in OT. 15-14 OT. There it is. Yeah, I. this game is going to be the exact same game. I, I, I don't see it changing. Both teams have played, obviously, very similar schedules going down the line to finish out the season. Since Drexel played Stony Brook, they played Hofstra, Delaware, and Monmouth. They lost to Delaware, lost to Hofstra, and beat Monmouth. And as we all know, the Hofstra loss was the shock of the season for us in the CAA. Since Stony Brook played Drexel, Stony Brook has played Delaware, Fairfield, and Hofstra. Only one team different. Stony Brook lost to Delaware and beat Hofstra by one. Both teams also beat up the third team they played. Stony Brook handled Fairfield, and Drexel absolutely, absolutely demolished Monmouth. And this matchup, I... Honestly, Drexel losing to Hofstra could have and might have been the worst thing for Stony Brook that could have happened. Uh, I honestly think that they kind of were like, whoa, hey, we're at the top of the CAA, but we just got it handed to us. What, what, what are we doing? Like, we know we have a shot in the CAA since we know Delaware is very vulnerable. We have to pick it up a little bit. And I, I mean, they absolutely dismantled Monmouth 16 to seven. I, I, Monmouth hadn't gotten beaten that bad since Princeton at the beginning of the season. Um, well, actually, since Delaware. Besides that, they've kind of stuck around in most CAA games. Uh, and I, I, it's just, I think this Drexel team has a different feeling to them for this game. I think they realize that. Stony Brook's a great team. Do not get me wrong. This is going to be a phenomenal matchup. But I, I just, there's something... Drexel's just that one team. It's the exact same thing I said last time these two teams played. It's just like my gut feeling. It's like, this is a Drexel win. If I don't pick Drexel, I'm going to hate myself because I knew that they were going to win this one. And that's what I'm saying right now. My gut's telling me Drexel. I got to go with the Dragons. I think this, this right here has the potential to be the semifinal game of the week. I think this is it. Uh, two, I feel like most evenly matched teams in a semifinal game that we can have. Uh, Drybane pointed out they've played Hofstra very similarly. They've just played a very, very similar CAA schedule. Uh, give me the Seawolves here. Give me the redemption game. Give me the classic splitting the series uh, over the course of the year. I've liked Stony Brook a lot, probably more than I should have all year. Um, and I'm really going to take them for one reason here, and that is because Drexel turns the ball over a lot. And as Voigt has said many times, turnovers in regular games and playoff games kill you. And I think Stony Brook capitalizes off some of those extra turnovers. And I don't want to say surprises Drexel, because I think this is really not a 2-3 matchup, but like a 2.5, 2.5 matchup. Like, it's just so similar. Uh, great lacrosse game. I would definitely have this one on, but yeah, I think Stony Brook gets this one and, um, you know, gives, gives Delaware a run for their money in the championship in their first year in the CAA, no less. It's a pretty big deal. 
Yeah, I just I, as soon as you said that, I went right to the NCAA lacrosse website or NCAA lacrosse website and looked at the stats. And Stony Brook is just just does not turn the ball over at all. They are twelfth in turnovers per game, um, and that's the least amount of turnovers per game. Rutgers surprisingly is number one. Um, who saw that coming? Um, but yeah, I it's a great point, um, Glazer, but. I'm I'm just leaning towards what you know what Dryban said about the Drexel Hofstra game. And then you also look at the Stony Brook Hofstra game as well. That was eleven to ten. That was a pretty close game as well. So I I can best explain this in just memes. <laughs> Stick with me here. I feel like Stony Brook after that Hofstra game and since that Hofstra game has just kind of been like that SpongeBob meme where he's leaning up against the rock, just kind of be like, we escaped with that one type thing. And Drexel is, uh, you know what? I didn't even put a meme to Drexel for this segment. But anyway, I, I just think Drexel just kind of looked at that loss and, you know, said, hey, we didn't play up to our standards similarly to you know, a lot of teams that I've said in this uh, this episode, they just haven't played up to their standards, and I think they just get the job done. They've proven that they can win a close game against Stony Brook, and I just think they do it again. Um, I really don't have anything else other than that. Um, just a SpongeBob meme and Drexel taking care of business. We love to see it. And, gentlemen, we've arrived. Our final semifinal games of this Thursday, and it's the best conference. It's the most awesomest conference it's the mac we have the number four sienna saints taking on the number one manhattan jaspers sienna coming off a very very close and entertaining win against sacred heart which saw them kind of pull away by a couple goals in the fourth quarter manhattan being the top seed had the bye manhattan is hosting this tournament let's be real here fellas Manhattan is not going to score a lot of goals. They just aren't. For Pete's sake, they beat Wagner 6-2 to two in their last game. <laughs> All right? But this Jaspers team somehow, someway, finds a way to win more games than lose them. They will certainly have a challenge and struggle to keep pace with Siena, a team that beat them a couple weeks ago. But I think it's precisely because the Saints beat Manhattan that Manhattan gets this one. I think Manhattan takes a lot of pride in being the preeminent uh, team in the MAC, and I think that Siena kind of has been running on adrenaline for the past month, beating these top teams, winning this playoff game, and I think it kind of comes to a close at the hands of the more seasoned playoff Jasper team. It's been a great run for the Saints, but I do think. Uh, this Manhattan defense shuts him down, and I think they score enough goals to beat Siena in another very low-scoring game. Here's my take for this matchup. That Siena-Sacred Heart quarterfinal, I think, was a matchup of the two hottest teams in the MAC playing each other, and it just so happened to be the four and five seeds. Siena is on a 3-0 run right now. They're... Only lo- the loss that happened right before that unbeaten streak came to Marist, who I think is the third hottest team in this conference. I, I, this Siena team, I, I was I kept picking them, and they lost to Quinnipiac and Marist. And I was like, God, 
guys, come on. Like your defense is supposed to be your strong suit. Like what is happening right now? You're letting up 14 goals to these like scrubs, these guys that should not be scoring that much on you. Little did I know Quinnipiac and Maris just had a 29-19 bout with each other. So like, yes, their offenses can definitely light up the boards if they want to, both those teams. This team though has played great. And Sacred Heart jumped out to a 2-0 lead. And I was like, oh my God, yes, Sacred Heart. I got this in the bag. Like, great pick. Sienna's going to lose this one. I love my Pioneers in the MAC. Let's go, baby. Championship all the way. And then the rest of the first, the first quarter happened. Sienna went on a little bit of a run, went up 4 2. I was like, uh oh, this isn't going to be good. Sacred Heart then went on a run, went up 7 5 to end the first quarter. Sacred Heart then basically scored two goals in meaningful time for the rest of the game because they scored two goals in like the last three minutes of the game, I think, which is just garbage time. Like Sienna had already won. So for majority of three quarters, they kept a Sacred Heart team with Morgan O'Reilly, who I had mentioned was a beast on that attack unit who missed the first chunk of the season and turned that team completely around and basically started giving them wins. This Siena team held them to two goals for three-fourths of a game, which is unbelievable. That's an amazing job by Siena. And their offense looked, I mean, like, they just looked great. They looked fluid. They looked very polished against Sacred Heart. They just beat Manhattan. They are the only team to beat Mount St. Mary's at this end of the season. Manhattan beat them, you know, way back when in, like, beginning of March when the conference play first started. I love the momentum they have right now. I'm taking the Siena Saints over Manhattan. I love the four over one upset. I think it's great. I think Siena is going to make a push for this conference tourney. And yeah, go Saints, baby. For me in this game, I'm a little bit indifferent, but I think I got to lean towards Siena here. I've been saying it a lot about some teams this year. Manhattan, they just they can't put up freaking goals. They can't do it. They've only they yes boy, boy. they've only put up double digits I think maybe five times and if that it's five tops that's it they can't do it um, Sienna can do that they have a good defense if their offense do, does exactly what they did in that Sacred Heart game they're blowing this fucking team out of the water I'm sorry I just can't take Manhattan anymore uh, they hurt my brain they are just they're just frustrating frustrating team to watch uh get them out of here please for the love of god i don't want to trust a team that can only put up six goals on wagner yep as we go from a six goal manhattan team we conclude this thursday with the antithesis of manhattan in the mac as marist the three seed takes on the mount the two seed one number Dryband said it. 29. 29 goals in a Division I lacrosse game. No less a Division I playoff lacrosse game. You know who scores 29 goals? Tufts against like a crappy D3 team. This is a this just doesn't happen at our level that we talk about. It's insane. It is absolutely insane. Like you had a 10-goal fourth quarter. Oh my god. Against like a decent Quinnipiac team who put up 19. I, an unreal game. If you have ESPN Plus, go back and watch this game. Like, if you didn't see it live, please do yourself a favor. You'll be entertained for 60 full minutes. 
to the game at hand, the final game of the day. Since losing to Mount, Marist has scored 14, 16, 18, and then, of course, 29 goals in their last four games. Since beating Marist, Mount has scored 15, 13, and then 12. Both teams going in opposite directions in terms of goals per game. Mount had all the momentum in the MAC, all of it. And then they lost to Siena in the season ender. Not a good taste in your mouth going to the playoffs. Playoff Red Foxes, playoff Marist, yeah, I like it a lot. Marist reminds me of that wildcard weekend playoff team that actually benefits from playing that first weekend and not getting the bye whereas their opponent is worse off. Think the Green Bay Packers a couple of years ago, right? The experience of playing that game and not having a week off almost benefits this Red Foxes team more, and I think propels them momentum-wise into this rematch against the Mount, which I do think they get, uh, which I think they get back. I think they win it. No, they're not scoring 29 goals, but I do think they might put up north of 15 on this Mount team, who, don't get me wrong, can compete with them, but... I just have to go with momentum here. I have to go with the Red Foxes. I think uh, they are coming back into their conference form. So, yeah, another great uh, MAC semifinal. But I do like the uh, the higher seed here. Yes, I agree with you, Glazer. I'm taking Marist in this game. I I just think if you look at that game, the the previous game against uh, between Mount and Marist, it. I, I just don't think that was the right kind of Marist team that we saw. They looked like they were running in sand. I said it in that episode uh, the week we covered that game. They just looked like they were co- running in sand. They looked very slow, didn't really, couldn't really keep up, and they just kind of let the game get away from them. I think the last few weeks, you know, despite that Siena loss, they've just kind of controlled the pace of play. And, uh, you know, despite, you know, winning close games against some iffy teams, Canisius, one of them, Sacred Heart, not so much. But still, they've found a way to win. I think that they are looking for blood in the water. They take care of Mount, and they move on to the MAC championship. I just have more confidence in Marist right now. Mount, I didn't like the way they just handled the last few games of the season. I am going to be au contraire, and I'm taking Mount in this game. Um, I honestly, I Mount's game against Siena, I know they played that one, but... They must have known, like, that team knew going into it. They already had locked up a bye. They didn't really have too much to play for because they can't have home field advantage in this tournament. Even if they had the one seed, they wouldn't be able to have home field advantage. So why, you know, give it a complete all and risk injuring some people? Um, Fair. And honestly, in my mind, like, I don't even think they would worry about seeding that much because the difference between Siena and Marist is like nothing like those are two very good teams doesn't really matter who you would have to play in that next round you're still got to play somebody really good so why not just you know pump the brakes a little bit let your backups play against sienna i i i'm still high on this mount team i'm not going to just say they're washed after one loss on the road to sienna and just say it's the that for the season i mean like they had a seven game win streak in this mac conference for a reason beating most of the best teams at the top. I I still think their offense is going to output, and <laughs> that game against Quinnipiac, there were 50 
to face-offs. That's a lot of face-offs. That's a lot of face-offs. 52. That's almost one face-off every minute. Maris starter took 48 of those. So I can imagine that he is banged up and gassed from that is probably like that's two games. That is two games worth of faceoffs shelved into one. How do you and, how do you even let the starting faceoff guy like keep taking fast faceoffs after like the 35th one? Like what where's the headspace in that? Where's the sense I, in that? I I don't know. I wish Dude, I could he, tell you. He, he's just a dog of the week. That's he all he is. He wanted that nomine- nomination. <laughs> he, I, Quinnipiac starter took 49. He took more than him. Like yeah. They both took almost every single faceoff, which is just mind-boggling. Quite a Samaris guy. He won 63% and had 20 ground balls. That's a day right there. However, when Marist and Mount St. Mary's played, both... <laughs> It's a very weird game. Both Fogos had over 60% because of how they're like the other guys on the other team played. So I, I don't think Maris is going to have the ball nearly as much as they did against Quinnipiac just to rail off goals like that. And I also know for a fact Mount St. Mary's defense is better than Quinnipiac's. So both of those combined, I think Mount having a week off does really help them. I think it gave them time to just kind of look at the Siena game and say, hey, what we do. And of course, it also gave them the chance to watch the Marist film against Quinnipiac. And I'm sure there's a lot from that game you can break down and look at. So I'm not going to say just one loss and you're done to me, Mount. I, I'm still going to ride with my Mountaineers. And I'm, you know what? I, I think they're going to go to the ship. I, I think they're going to beat Marist. Inaugural MAC season, they're going to make a stand, say, hey, guys. We joined this conference for a reason. We think we can win it, and I think they're going to make it to the ship. Welcome back, everybody. We just finished up watching the four quarterfinal games for today, the two A-Sun and two Patriot Lake matchups. Uh, The last Patriot Lake matchup just ended for us, and we are jumping right into our semifinal picks for both of those conferences and the Ivy League Conference semifinal games that are also on Friday this week. Yeah, so first up, after the A-Sun quarterfinals, uh, Bellman took down Mercer in a very tight game. I um, was watching that a little bit before I went to uh, my seventh grade lacrosse practice today. Um, it was very entertaining and kept tabs on it. Um, Bellman looked a little shaky, so you know I don't know how well they're going to be uh, doing against Utah this week. I expect them to clean it up a little bit, but, you know, Utah is Utah. They've been very solid um, in the A-Sun, and frankly, like, just the last, like, 10 to 11 weeks, I'm pretty sure they're, like, 10 or 11 or no, maybe 12 and 0. Um, so they're they're on a hot streak. I think they know that they got to win this A-Sun to get in. So I think they just, I think the Utes take care of business and win this game. Voight. Could not agree more. Utah all the way. Uh, I think this is the second easiest game to pick on Friday behind a certain Patriot League matchup. But I think Utah is going to go AWOL on Bellerman. I think they squeaked out the win against Mercer. Not very convincing. And Utah just, their offense is prolific right now. I don't think anybody can stop them in the A-Sun. 
I agree. I'll be brief. Um, I do think Bellerman rebounds from today's very, very close win and probably plays Utah a little bit better. But this Utah team has way too many good things going for it for them to drop a semifinal game. And uh, I'm looking for this Utes team to make an upset in the national tournament, actually. So I like them a lot here. I think we've learned today, just after like the four games that we watched, these conference tournaments, anything can happen. And it it certainly was proven today, um, especially in the, about this, especially talking about this next team, Robert Morris. They took down Jacksonville earlier today in what I think was just the worst looking game that I have ever seen on a college level. Just so many turnovers, so many failed clears in that game. It honestly, it felt like it felt like both teams were trying to lose that game, but with just how much, how bad the play was. Um, so I'm feeling much more confident in air force um, with having this amount of rest and this amount of time to prepare um, to see what Robert Morris has in store for them. So I'm going with the Falcons here. Bobby Moe, you had your Cinderella story. I will let drive and take it away. He is right. They are still frauds, but Jacksonville is <laughs> the biggest fraud of them all. I texted both the uh, Glazer and Voight in our group chat during this game and said that this was the battle of the frauds. And oh my God, I am so happy Robert Morris won. I, I can't, I'm going to leave it at this. I don't want to rub it in Jacksonville's face too much, even though I off the air will be and will continue to for the entire off season because this team just fell so flat in so many ways this year i they will go down as the biggest disappointment in d1 men's lacrosse history that is all i have to say yeah so we're all taking it oh boy yes oh boy Next up, we move to the Ivy League semifinals. I think both of these games are on ESPNU on Friday, so the Ivy gets the primetime TV. First up in our 1-4 matchup, we have Yale taking on Cornell in a rematch of a game that I saw live when they played in the regular season where Cornell trounced Yale. Uh, it, it was it was awful. Um, I'm going to be very blunt here and say that I'm taking Cornell. I think that everyone is ranking Yale way higher than they should be. I'm not trying to disrespect Yale, but I think people are looking at the RPI and saying, oh, Yale's a lot better than we think they are because they're RPI. And and they're just not. They are, they are improving. They are playing better, but they're not ready for the national tournament. And I'm taking Cornell because I want Yale's at-large resume to be put to bed. I want Cornell to shut the door on them. I want them to move along. And I, I, I just think Cornell's better. I do. And uh, I'd be very interested in seeing a Cornell-Penn or Cornell-Princeton final rather than a Yale. Uh, Glazer, I couldn't agree more. I, I have no idea why Yale's RPI is weighted so heavily. Like, I, I legitimately don't. Um, the only, like sense I can make of it is the fact that they have a win over Denver and Villanova but even then like they're not that impressive Brown also beat Villanova and I I still don't know why Villanova and Denver's RPIs are that high it has to be that 
I guess only a two goal loss to Penn State makes them good, but they still lost that game. It just doesn't make sense. Their last two games were at Albany and at Harvard and Albany, they handled easily, but Harvard was only a three goal game. I just, this team lacks something from me. Yeah, sure. They're on a five game win streak, but they've also played terrible teams besides Boston who they beat at home by just three and Boston's really turned it on over these past two to three weeks after that game. So Yale winning, I I don't see them being, they're just not a great team in my mind this year. Uh, Their defense is just atrocious still. And even though they've had a couple good games, doesn't make me sure of them. Um, Cornell beat Yale at Yale 20 to 10. I I really can't imagine what Cornell is going to do to them in Ithaca. So I just, no, all, all big red in this one. Yale loses here and they do not deserve an at-large bid at all, in my opinion. Very fair. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know. I don't feel like I've watched enough of these Ivy league games to really like put down like a solid opinion on these two. I've, I've granted, I've watched a lot more Cornell games than Yale games for sure. Um, but I feel like these last few weeks, Yale's just been on a hot streak. Yeah, maybe a little bit like overhyping, like from, you know, the preseason rankings with the Ivy League and stuff like that. Um, and Cornell, I feel like the last few weeks, they've just like led teams back into games. They were crushing Princeton um, in the first part of that game from this past weekend. And then they just let them back into the game and it became a one goal game for a while. Uh, Yale, yeah, they're just hot and they might be overhyped. I, but I really like, uh, I really like Cornell here in the big red. I love Connor Busick as a coach. I think he has a game plan to go out and figure some stuff out. Um, Yale can, you know, fire as many shots as they want. Um, we've been saying spray and pray uh, as a saying, I feel like they do a lot of that and Cornell just takes care of business. Next up, we have a rematch of a very, very enticing uh, game earlier in the season with Princeton, the number three seed, taking on Penn, the number two seed. We recall that this was a nine to eight overtime win for the Penn Quakers back on March 18th. Uh, For Princeton, they are actually on a pretty good three game win streak after losing to Syracuse. They lit up Dartmouth. They lit up Harvard and they took Cornell to overtime. So not a three game win streak. <laughs> a two game. <laughs> there you go. There we go. I'll, I'll phrase it this way. A two and a half game win streak. And I say that I say that precisely because I want to give Princeton a lot of credit. I think the total flip is true for Princeton and Yale, meaning I have Princeton ranked higher than Yale. And I think they are better than Yale. Uh, And so I they're not going to because of the RPI. But I would put Princeton ahead of Yale at an at large if I was a personal committee. I just think they're a better team. Uh, But I'm going to take Penn here because for some reason over the past four years, Penn is just a special team in the Ivy League tournament. They figure it out. They've taken down Yale. They, They know how to play here. And while Penn has frustrated all three of us to no end this year, 
I do think Penn realizes that if they won an at-large bid, if they don't win the championship, they have to win this game. They cannot. They're not getting in unless they beat Princeton. So for that reason, I'm going to take Penn. I I do think they beat Princeton two times in one year. It's a it's a tall order for Sam Hanley and his boys, but I just think this group is going to find a way to win and uh, will face Cornell in the final on Sunday. So yes, not a three game win streak, a two and a half game win streak. Yeah, I agree with you in the sense that you know it's been frustrating for sure for with these two teams, especially in the Ivy League. Um, the Ivy League in general has just been frustrating, but these two teams are definitely the front and center um, teams uh, with that label. But with that said, I you know call it recency bias, call it whatever you want. I I just really like Princeton here. I re- I really do. I liked that game. I liked the game against Cornell and how they came, battled back, and pushed it to overtime. Penn, you know, Sam Hanley, he's still turning the ball over a lot, you know, and their defense can still get frustrated at times. And you know, Princeton, they yes, they they lost Sam English. They lost another attackman, I believe, um, to season-ending injuries. But they've just been playing really well, and they've been battling through adversity, and they just are finding ways to get it done. I, I'm just not big on Penn, and I just like the way Princeton is playing with the, you know, with especially with the guys that they have lost. So, you know, go Tigers! I like them here. Voight, I am taking your side on this one. I think you are completely correct. I, I'm just I. Princeton was another one of those teams that I was really, really high on to start the year. And then they had a abysmal start, just like Georgetown, just like St. Joe's. And now they're kind of picking up a little bit of steam. They're four and two in their last six games. Um, Very similar to Penn, who is also four and two in their last six games. So both these teams are on the upward trajectory after starting not great and probably not at the level that most people thought they were going to start. Um, that being sub 500 after more than four games. And I, I really, I attribute my, my decision to pick Princeton based off of the quality of opponents that they played in those six games to make up that four and two streak right there. Besides the Ivy League opponents that they've played, Princeton also played Syracuse, who in my mind is a top 15 team. And if they just had some things go different ways, their season moved a lot different. But Princeton also played Syracuse in midseason when they were hitting a very, very good form. And they were on the losing end of that. And I think experience against a team that is not an Ivy League team that you lost against helps a lot for them. Penn, on the other hand, both of their losses in their last six came against Ivy League teams. And their only out-of-conference game was against Albany. And they squeaked out a win against Albany, 14-11. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I just... Sure, they're both kind of on the same level. I don't trust this Penn team. I just like Sam Hanley is like supposed to be good, but he's not great. And like, he should be better than I feel like he's been doing. And sure. He has 51 points this year. That is a hell of a lot, but like, 
the amount of hype that he had at the beginning of the season, this is a letdown season for him. Like he, he is he's not, not he's not a tour ton front runner. He's just not. No. He's, no. He shouldn't no. be in the tour ton like race period, I think. Like there's a he lot was, better players that should be in the race over him. Like screw it. Kyle Playstead, he let Bellerman to their first playoff win in history. Like mm-hmm. he deserves a spot over him. Like he's had way more points, led a team that is subpar to a history season. Like this is an unsuccessful Penn season. No reason Hanley should be winning the Thornton. And because of that, I think that this Princeton team, even though it's at Penn, I'll give them that. Home field advantage does mean a lot in Ivy League team in Ivy League games, like I've said. I think this Princeton team has more experience over the past few weeks. I think them playing very close games, especially against Cornell, gives them a lot, a lot of confidence in this matchup. And I, I it's also biased. I like Princeton a lot more than Penn, so I'm just going to root for them anyway. So I'm going to pick them in this game too. I think if you had to summarize Princeton's season, it's basically like they've played good teams and the games that they lost, they were just unfortunate losses because they were against teams who were on a hot streak and were hitting the stride. But I feel like they're starting to hit their their own stride here. And, you know, I think that, yeah, just to summarize it, yeah, I just think they get it done. They're, they've played close games. They've lost some unfortunate ones. But, you know, despite everything, they're finding ways to – squeak by and find and win games um tiny little asterisk before we move on maxi mm-hmm. had zero points against cornell mm-hmm. i need to make sure he's not hurt going into this pen game if he I, is hurt and he's out i'm taking pen i don't However, believe if so if he's still okay and he just went through that cornell game and didn't score a point and princeton still took them to overtime that makes me even more confident about this so mm-hmm. go ahead and move on. <laughs> Well, um, I don't want to be the spotlight from anyone here because this is the Patriot League semifinal. And you know what, Glazer? You can just dance all over our graves with this one because we were dead wrong last night. I was listening and editing the recording from last night, and I was listening to mine and Dry Band's takes in the middle of the Loyola game, and I just had both – hands on my temples just like thinking why did we say what we say (laughs) uh but um as far as this game goes i like bu they're the number one team here um and i will forfeit the rest of my time to glazer here no drive in please please go first (laughs) oh thanks that's (laughs) so nice of you it hurts me to build a one uh, Laser, I guess you were right. I'm not going to say anything because Loyola doesn't deserve anything out of my mouth. Wow. <laughs> Boston will win this game. That is all. Well, well, gentlemen, we've arrived at a crossroads. Oh, no. <laughs> That was the biggest win of the season for me. Um, even when Loyola was up 7-1, to one, I was in no way confident they were going to win that game. I was not. I could see the game slipping away, and somehow they held on. So thank you, Coach Toomey. You have brought newfound joy to my life. However. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. However. 
they still played really, 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 really bad from an objective lacrosse perspective. They did. So, Loyola, you did what I needed you to do. You beat Navy, but I'm sorry, boys, your season's done. Uh, BU is just better than you. They're better than you by a lot. And uh, I would love to be shocked, but I don't think I will be. I, I do think BU wins this game. Um, and I'm I'm just, I'm still surprised myself that Loyola won. I mean, I'm thrilled, but <laughs> we can I, I I could tell just like from the start of the game, I when they scored the first two goals, I was just like, their defense looks good, and the vibes for Navy are just off. And then I sent an early text, and then Drive In was very confident that Navy was gonna find a way to just win. And then suddenly it's nine to one, and I'm like, well, I don't know about that. They came back though to make it nine to seven. They came back, and then they kind of, kind of, maybe, kind of. Alrighty. Yeah, very, very tough. Alrighty, last game for the sem- for our semifinal slate. Um, we have Lehigh who took down Lafayette, taking on Army. I really like Army in this game, especially after how Lehigh was down three to two at halftime to Lafayette, and just how poorly they played in the first half. Army is an absolutely first half team. They come out firing early and often, and their defense just takes care of the rest for the rest of the game. I don't like the vibes that Lehigh came out with in the third quarter either, but they figured it out in the middle of that of that quarter to go on a run, and I think they won like 11-5 to five or something like that. But with Navy on a break, um, they've had time to rest, get prepared. Um, Lehigh had by no means had an easy game today. So I think uh, Army has the advantage here when it comes to legs and fresh legs um, and win this game and move on to the championship. I, I cataloged back when these teams played in the regular season how incredible this series between Lehigh and Army has been. It is incredibly close. I think this was the game that I previewed where like literally every stat category at the time was identical. And at the time, I took Lehigh, and I think they lost 10 to 12, and I thought it was a good pick. Uh, Lehigh would, I think Lehigh would be a good pick here. I really do. On a neutral, neutral site field, I think they're capable of the upset. I just want to see BU and Army again too bad. I think it, you know, is such a great uh, budding rivalry um, that I do think, Voight, you're right, the rest, given Lehigh's performance tonight, I think the Black Knights are on a mission. And I think the Black Knights feel like they deserve to be in this tournament, the national tournament, and they know the only way in is with the AQ. And I And I just think that inspires them enough to get this one done. But for sure, I see this one as being another... 12, 10, 11, 9 type of game. Low scoring, but uh, I think Army comes out on top. Yeah, uh, not going to say too much. I agree. I'm also taking Army. I I think this is just a stepping stone for Army to get back to BU again and take them out on their field after Army lost to them at their place. I think they really want that revenge. And just like Glazer said, this is the only way they get into the tournament now. Um, I think 
honestly, them playing Cornell the way they did and only losing by one gave a real juice of confidence to this Army team that they can hang with anybody this year. And I think them losing to Boston was kind of the wake-up call to be like, hey, we can hang with anybody, but we need to handle our shit. And we didn't handle it against Boston. I think they're going to handle it against Lehigh. I think they're going to get to the championship game. And that's going to be one hell of a championship game in the Patriot League, I can tell you that. Um, Not sure who I'll pick for that one yet, but in this one, I know for a fact, Army. All righty. Well, that does it. Uh, for our semifinal games, uh, look out for our championship conference championship episode releasing on Saturday. It'll just be a little short thing. We'll cover the championship games. Um, something for everybody to listen to uh, before the Saturday games get going. It'll probably be pretty short, so you'll have a lot of time in between the morning and the one o'clock games, which I think will be the first championship games on Saturday. Uh, boys, anything else? Uh, we have MCLA. We have D3 conference tournaments starting up this week, too. Um, anything you guys want to highlight before we sign off? Unleash the Hounds. That's it. Unleash the Hounds. How, hounds are better than Cross to be played. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us here today. Uh, be a dog this week and enjoy the conference tournaments.